Dog Safety Podcast with Vance and Bart. That's great. I mean, and that's a good thing about having 3D printed systems or lots of other manufacturers making parts and whatnot, is you can customize the gun to fit your needs or wants. Desires. Ooh, now we're getting sexy. So we thought we would start this episode off with a new segment that we think could add value for years to come. What is that new segment that we're introducing? Well, we are the fake safety podcast and I, I think it's so only I've fair. Heard. I don't think it's only fair that we uh, we start giving a little bit of current events. We don't focus on current events like other podcasts typically we we focus on some closer to current events, but we we tend to stand further out. That way we get a uh, better understanding of what we're talking about before we start chiming in. And um, I think we should be a little bit more current. So I was thinking we could introduce the f- f- fake news segment. For those of you thinking, wait, if everybody else is doing current events and you were differentiated by being a different kind of podcast, are you not just conforming to the standard? Uh, no. Thank you for your concern. Uh, this is merely a, a segment uh, for us. We're not going to add to the pile. Where, well, Unless you guys want us to and show us with your wallets. But as of right now, I think we're on a trajectory to uh, a niche that that needs to be scratched you know what i mean I, I think we're fine but we need to stay current because for one when we you go back and listen to um our podcast i think it adds value especially after we've been through this lockdown situation with covid and whatnot to to be able to go back and listen to certain dates and hear, while they may be just short segments, what was happening to us at that time. To not forget that we were, well, while MSNBC is talking about the Republicans are authoritarians and leaning and radicals and stuff like that, and that, you know, they're leaning authoritarian and this is, it's not just. Donald Trump, it's it's just who they are. To go back and listen and hear those same people cheer down lockdowns and cheer for not letting people who didn't get vaccinated into restaurants and things like that. So we remember that they don't work for us. They work for the CIA. They're here to say whatever the CIA wants them to say. And there we go. Word. Yeah. And Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Yeah, so that this context will be 
helpful and is certainly not meant to be the centerpiece for the show. So for today's inaugural fake news segment. Well, we had the Iowa caucus and it was a landslide for former president Donald Trump. Um, the DeSantis camp is trying to spin it like it was a good night for them because they were second, but they were so far second. It would be like in a NASCAR race. If the guy won by half the race. So, yeah. So because we're providing historical context here, it might be good for us to just give those precise numbers. Correct. So you got like what? 21, I think on DeSantis 22. Let me first just say that attempting to see these results on the New York Times, I am met with a paywall. So, <laughs> oh, uh, as a citizen of the United States, the quote-unquote paper of record uh, <laughs> will not let me read this read-up without paying. Uh, but, but the result, the result. To be fair to them, honestly, though. Donald Trump, his uh, acceptance speech to winning it was not aired on MSNBC because there's a, there's a consequence to airing fake information. So if there's anything of value, we will bring it to you later. But we will not be airing this, the acceptance speech of uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> I, I don't... I. That was said. I don't even understand what cheeky thing you're saying. Like what that was you, that was said. They said what? There's a consequence to airing fake information on on news, and we while we we constantly come back to it and reevaluate, we feel that it's not in the best interest to air. Donald Trump's speech, accepting like you know that he won the Iowa caucus or whatever. Uh, we, if there's anything of value, we will, we will edit in and bring it to you later. Which is the most tone deaf thing they've done this week? Because how do you not recognize that that's precisely why he's doing as well as he is? <laughs> right, that's the only reason. I mean. My cousins, everybody I knew who was into Trump was over it when Joe Biden won. And all those people went to jail because they were trying to support Donald Trump and whatnot. They were so over him. He didn't fight for him like he was supposed to. He didn't do anything. They were over that man. And then they went after him. Right? And then went after him for you know things that the people who liked him liked and then there's people like Matt out on on the news talking about how it's not really about Donald Trump it's about the Republican Party pushing for this radical belief they it's the people so and then when Donald Trump gets on stage and goes they don't hate me they hate you and I'm here for you. 
He's going to win. It, that makes me feel something when he says that. And I know he's full of shit. I know he doesn't know half the things he needs to know to make it happen, but it makes me feel something. Well, even the pop science, like pop psychology, figured this out in the, I guess, what, 80s and 90s of like reverse psychology yeah. of just telling people you can't do this and that's exactly what they want to do. Um, but just to go back and give you the the news. Uh, fake, fake news. The fake news. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald J. Trump has 20 delegates, 51%. Ron DeSantis, nine delegates, 21.2%. Okay. So I was on point. Nikki Haley, eight delegates, 19.1%. Cut. And Vivek Ramaswamy. With three delegates, but he he dropped out. Percent, Vivek dropped out. Right. So those top three are the front runners. So what that means, I suppose, is if Donald Trump is in some way prevented from running or taken off enough of the ballots or yeah, whatever, Nikki Nikki Haley will win. So uh, that is the fake news. Absolutely. Take it as you will. Uh, And just on reporting, as of right now, that is 95% reporting. So I think that's fairly accurate. No duffel bags have been dropped yet. (laughs) They'll be dropped tonight, I guess. Gotcha. Holy shit. Nikki Haley came from dead last in one. So, moving on to the slightly less timely topics, but we can start it off with something that's uh, a bit more timely and could qualify as some fake news, is that recently, Steamboat Willie came into the public domain. So, what that means is that in January of 2024, which is the now for us as we're recording this, uh, the copyright on Steamboat Willie has expired, uh, which means that anyone can use Steamboat Willie any way they like. And you hear that meme, people? So let's get those memes going. And I, I think this is a really good public example of intellectual property. And I think it would be good for us to talk a little bit about how both the left and the right think about intellectual property. And let's not leave out the Libertarian Party because we are not sold on either way. Um, As you find. Yeah, I I lean towards um, intellectual property not being an enforceable property, whereas some other libertarians, which I would say that at one point in my life, I, I lived in that camp would say it is a enforceable type property. Yeah. So let's Uh, maybe, let me, let's maybe start there. So the right, if you, if you can speak on the sort of general view of the right on intellectual property, copyright, things like that. 
I think the typical view would be, you know, uh, uh, especially on or less philosophical, right? Would be it's my property, my stuff, blah blah blah. But it's not that; it's thought, right? So once you learn something, uh, let's say you didn't know that two times four was eight. You only knew added addition, right? So like, well, with two and four, I can only get six. But now you can get eight. Let's just make that money, right? But now you can get eight, right? You didn't know that before. But then you came up with uh, uh, to the power of things like, like be, only because you knew you found out about that other thing. So you advanced the productive power of whatever was out there because you took what somebody else had and you added your thing. And this is where I, I think think this isn't really establishing where like the right typically sits. Cause I think, I think, I mean, you're right. I obviously agree with where you're going here. Okay. But like, if we can set the standard for saying like to explain to the, the, the folks where the, on the left, where the, what right. the right generally are, and then oh, okay, well, it's, explain to the right where the left generally are. Okay. Well, the iPhone is an American company, and we should be making our iPhones in China because when we make them in China, they take that same technology, they put them in their other phones, and then they sell them, and they make all the money, and that's American. And now we now we just giving it all to China, and they're just as good and better than the American ones. So it sounds like the right fall where they generally tend to be the like if we're saying the Republicans, for example, the Republicans generally are the party of the rule of law, right? They're big on the rule of law, and in this case, it would be the law around intellectual property. So you making a copy of a phone and selling it, that's yeah. theft. Yeah, the right tends to want to enforce the law, not make new ones. The left tends to want to make a whole bunch of new ones for the right to enforce later. It seems to be the way it works. Yeah, so the way that uh, the way that the left approaches this and using Steamboat Willie continued as an example here, the left has, to no one's surprise, two conflicting positions on intellectual property. If I mention Steamboat Willie or, or sort of Disney, you know, the mouse, mm-hmm. uh, as this corporate example, the knee-jerk reaction by the majority of the left is going to be that it's too big, they should not have a stranglehold on that property it should be something that's in the domain they've made their money off of it it needs to go out people need to use it uh it should be freely shared they're greedy they're hoarding wealth etc etc but um did you have you asked them well who's going to use it they're going to you use it for advertisement well we're we're, but advertisement is bad right we're not there yet again just sort of Establishing what they, their take. That's one half of their take. Okay. The 
other half is what you often hear when things like Spotify come up, where we talk about songwriters and their wages and what's the minimum amount you should make for your work. Another bit of current news, Dude, at least in our time, is... Do individuals fight for their individual right to negotiate their own wage? You're getting, you're getting a hit. You're still getting a hit. I'm just wondering, because like, that happens with cranes. Like I'm just saying, because like I've dealt with that a lot. Not only in the when people wanted me to be in the union, but like other types, where they're like, oh, what are you making? And I'm like, oh... You're not me. I could be a lot better than you, and I bet I am. So I'm really another, good at what I do. So another item that's been in the news lately is the recently ended writer's strike. So people have been Oh, did they quit? Did they quit doing that? They have, I believe, reached an agreement. Guess what? Material did not slow down. I bet their agreement's pretty shit, huh? Okay. So the... Writer strike is a sorry example. guys, sorry writers, all my writer, all our followers. My bad. So the writer strike is an example of the other side uh-huh. of the typical left position, in that the left generally likes to look at artists and creatives as folks that need to earn a living wage, and when an organization you know, the streaming services, Netflix, Hulu, whatever, when they try to find a way uh, around intellectual property or paying less than is typical, uh, the left tends to try to eke out as much as possible for payment that's fair. intellectual property yeah. for them. So that's kind of the duality of the left in their position on intellectual property in that if you are not making a living wage, they would like you to make more and heavily enforce intellectual property. But if you become too big, uh, you are greedy and hoarding. Right. So it's uh, it's one of those things where basically there's a person who wants to be in charge of where X money goes. To be honest, like that's that's where the, that's where it goes. It's like it's got to go to somebody else first and then to the artist. No matter how right. much they decide, the left decides that they want the money to go somewhere else first and then to the artist. Not directly right. from them to the artist. Correct. And the way that this... And that a way they can make people who don't come to the show pay also. Gotcha. And the way that this cycle tends to play out oscillating from left to right is very much what you were talking about earlier with the creation of and then enforcement of laws. Because like you say, left being sort of referred to as progressivism or progressives, they are about change and creating new regulations and new legislation, things like that. So they are are constantly, right. They are constantly looking at new ways to, in their minds, improve the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they are looking to change things like copyright or intellectual property and the way that we look at them, the way that we 
handle them. And then, like you said, the right tends to whatever is on the books, that is what's right. So we are going to enforce that. Um, never mind the source of those regulations, never mind the moral or ethical founding of those things, but it's on the books, therefore we enforce it, and that is what is right. It's a rule of law, yes. And then you have people like and, you and I right, who would look at a law objectively and decide whether it was moral or not, and then decide on where we want to stand on that law. I guess there's three there's three three different ways that we can look at these situations is like one through a moral lens, one through a rule of law lens and one through a progressive let's just move forward be damned the consequence lens. Well, I I know you're not sympathetic to the left, but if you're if your generous view on the right is rule of law, my generous view on the left is chasing equity. Oh, that's scary to me. <laughs> that sounds worse than what I said. Okay, because it's it's not it's not progress at all costs. It's it's equity. It's progress toward equity. Okay, well that sounds worse. So, way to scare the fuck out of me. But you're right. Uh, maybe I said the the rights position in a unfair manner um because i feel like i i feel like we've won a lot on the right and i think that they're coming around like the the voters on the right on the not not the politicians but the voters are coming around and i think that we're making a big, big move here, and I don't want to squash it a little. You know, I don't want to hurt it. I don't want to be unfair either. I want to point out the fact that Donald Trump is was the president of lockdowns, so he had a chance to get Fauci out and did not do it. Awful. But I respect the fact that you're voting for him in opposition to the deep state. He's just not the hero that you guys think he's going to be. So if I can position it this way, then let me ask you from a moral perspective, uh -huh. just yes or no. Do you think intellectual property laws are morally or ethically right? I lean towards no. Okay. But so, I am open to the debate. Right. Right. Yeah. So, if we take it from that lens, I can position it to you this way. E. We have the left and the right in the U.S., and one of them chooses to enforce what you believe to be an immoral and, and unethical law mm -hmm. or series of laws. And the other side feels that those are not moral or ethical and is questioning them. Okay. So in position that way, they may have more in common with you than you think. Because you're questioning the laws as opposed to blindly 
enforcing them, right? Correct. It's just that when they question them, they come to different conclusions than you or I would come to. But I think if, if we're to round this out, though, you alluded to this and that you would be open to a debate. And I think that's the debate that could be had. The debate should not be between the false choice of we enforce these laws or we add laws. Right. It should be from first principles on so, how should we be talking about intellectual property in the first place? Is uh, Exactly. I think it should be up to the property owner to protect their intellectual property. And at some point, if you're coming after their intellectual property, you could violate their property laws. You know what I mean? But I, I, I feel like intellectual property in itself is not enforceable. I think to come after it into a form of private property, like cross a barrier of some sort, would be against the law and punishable. Do you understand what I'm saying? Certainly. So let's, let's use a very dead simple example of the Colonel's secret recipe of 11 herbs and spices. Correct. If that recipe were to be kept in a vault, uh-huh. you viewing that recipe may not be unethical, but you breaking into his vault to view said recipe is violating his property rights. Right. But if you took a piece of his chicken and under whatever type of analysis you wanted to do on it, this decis- determined decisively what the 11 herbs and spices was and decided to add your 12th. You thought it would be better and whatever and went and that was all on you. You bought the chicken. You did the test yourself. There's, and, and he has no right through rule of government to 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 enforce something where, in my opinion, where you bought the chicken. You didn't buy it saying, I'm going to shove it down my throat and not test it for spices. You just bought it. They didn't ask you. And that's what you did with it. And one thing that I think anyone who hasn't been in charge of a business or an operator of some kind, Mm -hmm. that person might think that there is a huge, a huge level of importance on the 11 herbs and spices when in reality, the differentiator is the operation and execution of that business. Correct. Ideas are a dime a dozen. Correct. And the customer service is huge, especially in that field. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. No. It means that it's better better than nothing and you get what you pay for. Better than the economics work out that some people, (laughs) in in fact, we can even continue to use the same example in industry in that 
you can pay about 30% more and go across the street to Chick-fil-A and wait, no exaggeration, a tenth of the amount of time in a drive-thru line, for example. So it really has to do with how you value your time and how you value those sorts of things. But we see operational right. excellence. People, people can talk about Jesus chicken all that all day long and the politics of that. But that aside, I don't think anyone left, right, up, down, AB, AB, select start. Anyone would disagree with the fact that a KFC drive through on average is going to be double, triple the amount of time of a Chick-fil-A drive through Correct. And you will pay 20 to 30% more for Chick-fil-A. And people every day decide to go to one or the other. Absolutely. And it, it's not a you're right or you're wrong choice either. It's just a choice that people make. And it is as arbitrary as you and I looking at it from the outside it is it it actually there's a lot of meaning towards a person it could be as simple as it's on the left and i really need to get home to my kids i haven't spent a lot of time with them this week blah blah, blah and they need food so i'm going to i'm going to do on the left that way i can pull out faster and i can get home fast like it could be that simple and that's huge to that person. That's where economic, that's why Austrian economics is the correct base point for your economic thought. If you study any type of economics, I, I urge you to give Austrian economics a, a chance because it focuses on what economics really is. It's, primary focus is on human action what people do and why they do it and it's a it's not it's not what people should do or where money should go or where let's see if i could spend a number to make it make people think they should put their money here austrian economics is simply a reactive type of economics where it it just looks at what people do and why people do it and says, oh, well, this is what people do and this is why they do it. And and the only reason why governments and so many people hate it is because it, it, because it does it that way. It just happens to show that when you add government to any situation, things get worse. People lose money. People go broke. People get poor. And when you take that equation out people don't go broke they become rich they become prosperous they become more entrepreneurial they they invent things they they advance society and it's not popular to say that so please enjoy the now freely available audio from steamboat willie 